I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. Ireland's Birth Stories is brought to you by Nice to Meet You Ireland, a group created to bring women together. In this week's episode, we chat to Jill and she talks us through her pregnancy and the birth of her son, Oshin. Oshin was due in March 2018, so that's when we had the really, really heavy snow and a lot of us were snowed in. So Jill talks us through what it was like in the coom during that time. Jill and her husband Cyril had a bit of a scary experience just after Oshim was born but thankfully everything was okay within an hour even um, so Jill tells her story really really well and I hope you enjoy it. The story I know I heard it briefly before so I just wanted everyone else to hear it so if you just want to give us a little introduction about yourself. Okay so um, I'm Jill and I'm married to Cyril we got married in 2016 on the 1st of April which was Fools and Love Day not mm-hmm. April Fool's Day um, we, I'm from Manuk and Sarah's from Manuk and we moved to Newbridge eight years ago. Okay. And did you plan your pregnancy with Oshin? We did, yes. Yeah. So I've always had a lot of problems with my periods over the years. I've been to doctors, uh, I've been to consultants who don't overly take it seriously. I was told by a consultant in the coom in maybe 2016, try and have a baby. If it's not happening, come back to us. So I suppose because I've always been told I may struggle to conceive, we kind of had said, look, if it happens for us, that's great. If it doesn't happen, we can see what road we want to go down. So then we were a year married and we decided, sure, look, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll take it from there. And first time around. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, literally. Um, we were pregnant within a month. Great. And how did you feel? So did you have pregnancy symptoms? No, I had a great, uh, great pregnancy. I knew, I think I knew I was pregnant. As I say, I've always had problems with my periods. Like I could go 40 days and not even bat an eyelid and nothing. Well, no, I know I'm not pregnant. And, but this time I was a week late, which wouldn't be, you know, out of the ordinary for me. I think mm. I just knew, I just knew this isn't late. This is pregnant. Yeah. Um, no, I had a great pregnancy. I was I had no sickness. I had nothing. Towards the end, I got a little bit of heartburn and restless legs and stuff, but no, I had a great, great pregnancy. And what was your model of care? So did you go private, semi-private or public? So because um, we had, I had been going to an OBGYN 
over the period issue. I, I just went to her when we got the pregnancy test. She's here in New, but she's absolutely amazing. And I just went to her. I didn't think of going to the GP. So she sent us to the Coon. So we actually did private care with the OBGYN. So we went to her every month and she has a scanning machine. So we had to scan with her every month, but then I went publicly in the Coon. So our appointments were once a month, but they ended up between the two, they were every two weeks. So we were had an appointment every two weeks and we actually had a quick scan in the Coom every two weeks, every month as well. So it was great, like we had constant care and um, yeah, it was, it was really good. I found Coom amazing. We made all our appointments for really early in the morning so that we were in and out. So, yeah. you know, we woke early in the morning and there was kind of then no backlog by that stage, you know, because we were so early. But um, yeah, but I didn't realize that I needed to register my pregnancy with the GP as well until somebody said it to me. Oh, yeah, that's right. At 27 weeks, I went to the GP to get the whooping cough vaccine. And I explained all of this and he was quite concerned. He said, like, you are going to the coom, aren't you? You're quite pregnant. And I said, oh, yeah, no, I am. I've been, this is the way I've been doing it. So he said, I have to ask you to do a pregnancy test. And there's me with a big bump, you know, and I said, okay. So I went and did the pregnancy test. And of course, he, he jokingly said, congratulations you're pregnant I think I suppose for them he was like like I know you're pregnant I can quite yeah. see you are, but I just there's this protocol here yeah. so he's really good about it he was like yeah congratulations you're pregnant so um yeah so that was the way we went we went with um the OBGYN and the Coom publicly so it was great yeah really good care okay great so you said that in your final trimester you had the restless legs and what else what else did you experience I had a little bit of heartburn towards the end, so um, but nothing major now, nothing, nothing major, and it was mainly at night when I'd be lying down, and then just, okay. just a bit of uncomfortableness, really. And were you working right up until your due date? No, uh, just the way my dates fell. So I'm a teacher, and if I had gone two weeks before my due date, I would have been back to school. My maternity leave would have finished in August. So I would have been back to school in September. And if I went at Christmas, my maternity leave finished in July and I still would have been back to school in um, September anyway. So yeah. I finished at the Christmas holidays. My maternity leave started at the Christmas holidays. So I had two months on my own at home. Um, okay. So, which was nice because I got, yeah. you know, time. It, it didn't affect the time with Oshin at the end because I was still back to school in September, but I had the time at home to, to rest and relax and, nest and you know get things ready so that's nice no i think those few if you can um financially as well um the few extra weeks because you could go early like with oliver yeah, yeah i went early and i left at 35 weeks and i was so glad i did so for yeah. that reason and they had kind of said that they're like my OBGYN said you won't see your due date <laughs> i saw the due date <laughs> um, and why did but, why did he say that what indicated that um, she reckoned on a couple of times she she did checks. She actually could feel his head at one point and she said, yeah, yes. I won't see you again. I think this was two weeks before I was due and she said, yeah, I won't see you again now. And I was like, okay, great. Well, you know, thanks for everything. And on my due date, I was sitting in her surgery and I was like, well, here I am again. <laughs> so um, yeah, I had two sweeps and she didn't want to come out. So I how far gone were you when she said that to you? When I she said that she wouldn't see again? Would have been 38 weeks. Okay. And just can I ask you, was she obviously you had to pay for her services? Yeah. And it was so, covered then through insurance? Through your health insurance? I actually never checked. Isn't that awful? Um it, it wasn't like it wasn't massively expensive. It was five hundred okay. euro to go to her and we got an appointment every month. 
we, uh, and which included a very quick scan, as I say, she has a scanning machine. Now it's nothing like, you know, your 12 or 20 week scans. It's just a very yeah. quick scan, but at least you get the heartbeat, the positioning, everything's okay. Yeah. Um, so it's 500 euro every month. And that was every month that, of your pregnancy that you went. So it wasn't just, you know, five months. And then she did my six week check. And um, if I wanted any other checks then during the pregnancy as well, that was covered as well. So, you know, I, I, th- I think it was money well spent. Okay, so it was the 500 per month or in total? No, in total, yeah. In total? Oh, brilliant. Okay, yeah, yeah no, that's great, actually. I, I thought it would have been. Because when she said, you know, you can do your care with us here, we were kind of thinking, okay, well, you know, we can think about that. And then she told us the price and we said, oh, no, we'll do that. That's fine. You yeah. know, definitely money well spent. And um, you were and familiar with her as well, which is nice. Yeah, and she's just wonderful. Like, I had been going to her before I got pregnant for my issues. Yeah. Um, and I, we had kind of made the decision... Look, we'll go publicly in the coom. I know people who've gone privately who didn't get a room because the baby came and there were no rooms. So we just thought, yeah. oh, do you know what? We'll plow through it. But then when we had the option of going with her, we just decided, oh, let's go publicly with coom. So it was yeah. fine. But I have to say, publicly with coom was perfect, brilliant. Like we yeah. had absolutely no issues. Um, yeah, so I was really glad that we went went with her as well because her surgery is also open on a Saturday morning. So we didn't have to take it another day off work. You know, Cyril came up with me, we'd pop up, we'd go for lunch afterwards. And it's, it's literally a 10 minute drive away from us. So it was great, yes. you know, and just an extra little bit of peace of mind. Not that we needed it because we had a great pregnancy, Yeah, but I suppose just first time pregnancy, you know, we didn't know what to expect. So it was good to have that peace of mind. Yeah, it can feel, I think, on your first pregnancy, when they tell you, oh, say, after your 12-week scan, and they say, okay, now your next scan is 20 weeks, you're like, what? Two months? Yeah. <laughs> it can seem so, like a long time. But I thought as well, I suppose, total naivety, I thought you only got a scan at 12 and 20 weeks. But as I say, every time we went into the coom, we had a quick scan. Yeah. Just some, again, the same as with the OBGYN, but just positioning, heartbeat and everything. So... We literally got to see the baby every two weeks with, between the two appointments. So it was actually great. Yeah. And um, very reassuring, you know, very exciting then as well. That yeah. You know, you're going to see him and yeah. Okay, nice. Brilliant. So at 38 weeks, um, she thought she wouldn't see you again, but she did. Yeah. yeah so did you have did. an appointment in the coom at 38 weeks as well? Uh, I would have had one the next week. So by the end, okay. I was going every, every week, uh, every two weeks to each. So it was every week. Um, yeah, so I did. And they were fairly sure. Yeah, could be any day now. You know, uh, I had a sweep with her at 38 weeks. I had a sweep in the coom at 39 weeks. Okay. And then, yeah, he's still, he, he was too comfortable. He didn't want to come out. And did they give you a sweep because you were having um, signs that you were about to go on labour? So did you, did you so, have Braxton? Yeah. You were, okay. Yeah, now I didn't feel any Braxton Hicks at all, but she said one day, my OBGYN, um, when she was just doing a check, she said she could feel them, but I didn't feel any. So uh, yeah, I think there were definitely signs that it was going to kind of happen soon. And yeah, they were fairly sure I would have gone early-ish. Okay. But I was, I was three days overdue. Not, that's not major, but yeah. You know. Were you uncomfortable or anything? I was at the end, I was, and I was getting a little bit worried because it was right in the middle of the snow. Yeah. So uh, I was due on the Monday and there wasn't too much snow on the Monday. And then as Tuesday and Wednesday kind of progressed, we're kind of getting into a bit more snow and we're thinking, you know, 
a little bit of panic now. We have a bit of a drive up to the Coombe and, yeah. you know, will we get there? Will we be okay? Um, so, yeah, I was, I was just uncomfortable. The restless legs and stuff, but, you know, nothing made, thankfully. So what were your first signs that you were going into labour? So my waters broke in the middle of the night. So okay. my hub, husband, um, he works in a local authority and he does winter maintenance, which is the salting of the roads. And they do it in rotation every year. And it's a total random draw. And of course, he got the week that the baby was due. All right. So he was out. And then, and then it was the week of the snow, this major snow. So he had been out in the middle of the night, one night checking the roads to see, do I need to send out the salt trucks again and everything. But when he came back, he couldn't get the car back up. The, you know, the small little curb at the house, he yeah. couldn't get the car back up. So he was revving the car a little bit. I was inside going, will you get in the neighborhood? <laughs> I'm going to labor. But... Uh, so on Thursday morning at two o'clock, I, uh, my waters broke. I actually thought I'd wet myself. So I got up yeah. and I sorted myself out, got back into bed, felt it again. And I was thinking, okay, there's something not right here. So I um, ran, came downstairs, rang the coom and they said, look, they told me a few things to check. And they said, look, if you're okay to stay at home because of this weather, stay at home because we'd probably send you home anyway. So right. if you can wait until maybe eight or nine o'clock and come into us then. So I got back into bed and he was still asleep. And then at about five o'clock, he woke up to check to see what the, the state of the roads were. He went and he checked the roads and everything he came back. And I said, um, we need to go to the coom. And he said, oh my God, have you got contractions? And I said, no, my water broke at two o'clock. He said, why didn't you wake you, had, you didn't tell him. I didn't tell him. He couldn't do anything. So I was just breathing in bed. He couldn't do anything. So, um, yeah, the so water's broke then. Um, so then our neighbour is actually in the fire, uh, the fire service. Right. So he had, they had been given vehicles with the weather. They had the four by fours. So he had come in and said to us, look, lads, the Jeep is there if you really need it. But because of their jobs, coincidentally, we live next door. But Cyril and him were actually on a conference call. They were dealing with all the severe weather and everything. So they had a conference call at, I think, half eight. And Cyril had to do his handover. He was finished on a Thursday. So he had to do his handover of what had gone on during the week. So he went in next door at about half seven or so. And he said, um, just, you know, and our neighbour said, yeah, that conference called not for a while, is it? I'll, I'll be with you in a few minutes. And Cyril said, we need you to bring us to the coom. We can't get the cars out. So he was like, I'll be with you now. So, um, yeah, he drove us to the coom then um, because we our cars wouldn't have made it up. The snow and at this stage, did you have contractions at this stage? A slight bit, yeah, a little bit. Um, Not major now. And because of his job, our neighbor, you know, would he's obviously a paramedic as well. So he was kind of asking me, you know, timing them a little bit, but no, nothing major now. And like I wasn't even really bothering to time them because they weren't that bad. But I could see he kept looking in the rear view mirror at me and he was like, Have you got another one? And I was like, (laughs) A small one <laughs> um, but um yeah so he drove us up to the coom um in the fire jeep uh it was nice i didn't have to worry then about parking or anything like that because that's a concern when you get up there yeah and because he was a fire jeep when we drove in they actually lifted the barrier where the ambulance goes in so he dropped us right at the, the royal, treatment. <laughs> royal treatment we didn't quite have the red carpet out now but you know <laughs> But um, when Cyril rang his boss to do a very quick handover and said, look, actually, I'm not available now. We're going to the coom today. His boss actually offered us a snowplow to drive in front of us as well. No so, way. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was just like the weather was just yeah. so bad. You know, when you're having a baby at the end of February, March, you don't think you're going to have it in the big snow. But anyway. 
Um, oh, I know. Yeah. And so when you got into the coom, then um, did they? You went up to the assessment unit, and what did they say to you then? So they sent us up um, to the assessment unit. They thought they saw meconium in my water, so which right. meant that it was distressed. So they actually sent me straight to the delivery ward. So we went in. We were in the delivery ward by kind of ten o'clock in the morning. Um, the hospital was very quiet. I think a lot of the planned C-sections had been pushed forward, pushed back. And yeah. um, so the hospital was actually very quiet. We had, um, we were in the delivery ward. Um, so we were there, we had the most amazing midwife. She was just so lovely. We were there from about 10 o'clock and then at about 11 o'clock, my contractions really started. Um, okay. 11, half 11. And I actually didn't remember this. Cyril told me this last night, but I was vomiting from the contractions. So uh, he said I vomited a few times and the midwife said it was fine, it was normal, but it was asking, you know, did I want an epidural? It would slow things down, but because of obviously the vomiting and everything, you know, had I considered it. So we went with the epidural, I had the epidural at about 12 or half 12. Um, and my hubby is very good, like he's very good in situations, he's very, very calm. And so I was getting the epidural, I was bent over, he was holding my shoulders and they had said, you cannot let her move. You know, this is really serious that you can't let her move. So he was holding my shoulders steady. And he said to the midwife, I think I, I think I might go, I'm going to faint. And I was like, you can't faint right now, you're holding me. But I oh, think- the was, poor fella. Yeah, I think it was just the heat in the room. Yeah. And maybe like he's, you know, he's not squeamish, he's not, he's very good in situations, any situation. So the midwife had to take over holding my shoulders and he sat down for a minute. So um, yeah. Yeah. at least he didn't faint anyway. But um, It can be really overwhelming for them because they have very little control over anything. And to, I don't know how I would deal seeing my husband in that much like, distress. In that much pain and yeah. the anaesthetist was so strict. Do not let her move. This is going into her back. Do not let her move. So I think he was kind of a bit like, God, you know, it's a bit overwhelming and yeah. the heat of the room and everything and you know having a first baby as well and I suppose it was just very overwhelming for him Now he didn't faint he just got very weak so the midwife took over from him um, so that did slow things down then a little bit so then at about uh, but like once I got the epidural so we just sat there chatting yeah. um, it was all fine every time they came in and did a check everything was going well it was fine it slowed down but it was going fine um, so then about maybe mid-afternoon, they said they were going to have to induce me because things had quite slowed down a lot. Were you dilated so, at all at this stage? So I you would was, have been probably... I was, I think I was about four or five centimetres. So okay. um, yeah, it had slowed things down. And I think they were concerned that it was now quite a while since my waters had broken. Yeah. Like my waters had broken at two o'clock in the morning. And I think um, they were concerned about it, maybe a risk of infection or something then. So yeah. They said they were going to induce me. So they induced me kind of mid-afternoon. Um, and then, so everything was fine. I had got into my head um, during the pregnancy, I don't know why, that he was a big baby. And I, like, okay. I, I wasn't massive, I was all bump. But I just, every time we had a scan, I said, like, is the baby very big? And they kept saying, no, he's not very big, but he's not small either. So in the middle of... Um, our delivery and in the middle of labor they said you know we think the baby's quite big and I was like I knew it yeah. I knew it was so um he I had the tracer on me and uh, at about seven o'clock or so um all the alarms started to sound and his heartbeat was his heart rate was really escalated 
my heart rate was escalated, my temperature shot up. So they had to give loads of antibiotics and they had to do all of that. They were quite concerned then about him getting into distress. Um, so and how about, did you feel then? Because you would have probably would have been anxious then. I'm sure it sounded like it was all communicated with you what was going on, but how did you feel? Yeah, it really was. They were absolutely excellent. Um, yeah. yeah, I felt okay. I was obviously getting quite anxious. The sounds of the alarms going off. I think I felt fine. Like I didn't notice that my temperature had gone up or my heart rate had gone up, but I was just concerned. Was he okay? Yeah. Um, so we, um, at about a quarter to nine or so, maybe a little bit before that, they said, look, we're going to try, you know, pushing. But they said, we can't let you go too long because we think he might be starting to get into distress. So um, we were, Cyril said that it, we were kind of trying, we were pushing for nearly an hour. But because he was quite big, he was coming out and going back in again. So even on my big contractions, he was only coming out a little bit. Okay. Um, so they said that they would have to do an episiotomy. So I said, look, whatever. Oh, I, before that, my epidural had actually worn off. So I was starting to vomit again from the contractions. Now, one of the, the midwives said, look, if we give you more um, epidural, it may be a forceps birth. Things could, you know, go wrong if we give you more epidural because you're not in control then. And I yeah. said, look, I think we'd like to speak to the anaesthetist. So the anaesthetist came down and said, look, I can give it to you. So this is probably a half six they topped up my epidural, which actually ended up being the best thing that happened because I literally felt nothing. I couldn't even feel my contractions. Um, the midwife had her hand on my bump and she was telling me, okay, now there's a contraction, you're gonna to have to push. Um, so then they had to do an episiotomy. So I felt nothing, like I literally didn't feel any of that. But we had the loveliest student midwife now, she was absolutely brilliant. But because she had never had an episiotomy or done one, um, they were explaining <laughs> what was happening. So I couldn't feel it, but I could hear. I knew exactly what they were yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, they asked us if it was okay. And I said, yeah. of course, it's okay. We all have to learn. It's no problem at all. But hearing, so this is what you're doing. And, and yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> I think because I couldn't feel it, it was like, that's just somebody talking. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. No, it didn't yeah. really matter. So they did the episiotomy and he came out nearly straight away then after okay. that. Yeah, so, so uh, I'm I think sure you felt immediate relief then. Yeah, immediate relief. So they put him up when we did skin to skin with him and Cyril cut the cord. Um, and then they took him over to, you know, the little table where they take yeah. them and to clean them and everything. So we were there um, and... Within a minute or so, uh, we heard everybody's beepers going off to say there was a baby emergency in room 12. And Cyril turned around and he said, we're in room 12. So um, Oshin had stopped breathing because his throat was full of mucus. So he had stopped breathing completely. Um, so there was, they, they did the call for the baby emergency and Cyril actually ran out to the, the door of the room where we were and he said he just saw them all running towards oh. our room. Um, so they, they at one point then there were 13 doctors in the room but they were just brilliant everybody had their job everybody knew what they were doing yeah. I had also started to hemorrhage very badly at this stage so between me and the doctors there, were, there was a lot going on now it was probably two or three minutes but it just felt like a lifetime Cyril said I was trying to get out of the bed but obviously I couldn't move because I'd had the epidural yeah. but the doctors were then trying to sort me out I was worried about Ushin. And Sarah said he was standing there in no man's land. She's hemorrhaging. Baby's having chest compressions. Yeah. Yeah, he said it was very surreal. Um, So Ushing, they did did a suction mask on him and they did uh, chest compressions on him. Could you see see that happening from the... No. We couldn't see it. So the way I was... At, on the bed Cyril was kind of at my shoulder I think Cyril could see it now he, he was yeah. at my shoulder but I had to physically turn right around but all the doctors had blocked in fairness they had kind of blocked my view I'd say probably purposely yeah. um, from seeing it but also they, they needed to be there you know they, they, they needed to do their job there as well so I couldn't see any of this going on uh, and actually didn't know he had to have chest compressions until afterwards okay um, but yeah, but I, so I was hemorrhaging quite badly. Um, the doctors were trying to sort me out. I was apparently trying to get out of the bed to, to see if he was all right. But then we heard the cry and he was fine. Okay. You must yeah. have felt very weak then after that, did you? Oh, very weak. I, um, then again, I, I was so pumped up drugs then to stop all the blood and um, just every, the antibiotics I'd been on for my temperature spiking and everything. Um, so there was a lot of drugs in me. Yeah. I suppose just everything, maybe the weakness of hemorrhaging and everything, and I was vomiting again then. So I was completely done out of that tea and toast that everybody talks about. I yeah. It was the worst toast because I couldn't physically eat it. And they said, mm-hmm. you know, you really need a little bit. And I was like, I can't, I don't want it. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, this is the tea and toast. This is the tea and toast. <laughs> <This> <laughs> is and I was like, I'm so done out of that tea and toast. But anyway. Um, so you didn't need a transfusion or anything like that? No. Now, I think possibly because I wasn't critical and because of the snow, the stocks of blood were quite low in the country. So I think right. I, because I wasn't cr- critical, they kept me 
to monitor me. So I didn't need it straight away. And I was actually then in the hospital for a week to monitor that I was okay. So I didn't need one, but I think maybe under normal circumstances, I may have had one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the doctor then turned around like this amazing doctor um, turned around to Cyril and said, you know, what's his name, dad? And Cyril said, it's Oshin. And he said, well, we got clothes for Oshin. So they dressed him, but they had to take him away then to um, do a few tests on him just to make sure he was okay then. So they said, we'll be back with him in half an hour and you can feed him then. So uh, in the meantime, then uh, the doctors were still with me. Um, the tea and toast came. And then in half an hour, in fairness, half an hour, the doctor walked in, but he walked in on his own. And like the two of us, just our hearts stopped when he walked in on his own. And he said, there's no need to panic. They had taken blood from him, um, but it, it clotted. So they had to get more, but because he's a baby, it was hard to get blood out of him. So they just had to keep him for another few minutes. But in fairness to the doctor, he said half an hour, he came back to us in half an hour and just gave us an update. So he came back then in about probably 15 or 20 minutes and he had Ushin with him. And, you know, he asked us how we were feeding and we said we're bottle feeding and he actually gave him to Cyril and Cyril did the first half of the bottle and I did the second half. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, and he was fine. We asked him then, you know, would there be any complications after his breathing stopping? Would there be any issues then? And he said, no, he was fully confident that there'd be nothing. Okay, so yeah, that's reassuring. Yeah, it was very reassuring. Yes. Yeah. So, um, look, it was a scary situation for a few minutes, but everything was fine then you know okay. you sound like you were really well looked after and that would that makes the world of difference in considering your they were that doctor was really personable as, as well he was so lovely i would recognize him in the middle of new york city again you know just his face will always stick with us and cyril said the same and then actually the matron came to us we were still in the delivery ward and the matron came to us because of everything that had happened um, and she came to us to see if we were all right and she took Sarah outside and she had a little chat to him to see if he was all right and yeah, yeah they were they were absolutely amazing they were amazing um, we were taken then to the ward I had gone as I said I had gone publicly but we were actually there were only two other ladies in the ward so we were nearly semi-private mm -hmm. um, and the matron came to me every single day and she checked with us they offered us counselling through the coom to see if we were all right and you know, so they were, they looked after us so, so well. Brilliant. They really okay. did. And the nurses were just amazing on the ward. They actually took Oshin. So I was on a drip for the whole week. I was a week in, in hospital and I was on a drip for the whole week. Um, I think I'd had an infection. That's why my temperature spiked. I had an infection. Oshin had, um, you know, the little thing in his hand for administering. Um, the little catheter, and, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he had that in his hand for a couple of days. They were giving him antibiotics more as a precaution. Okay. So he had to get antibiotics for a couple of days. But then after a few days, he was fine. But the nurses actually took him at night a little bit. Um, at the start, you know, of course, you question. And you're like, do they think I can't do it? And why are they taking him? But the, the matron actually explained to us, it's because of my hemorrhaging that they needed me to recuperate and they needed me to rest. So at night, um, I would give him a bottle, you know, kind of maybe one o'clock or so. And then they would take him down to the nurse's station. And they, I think they took a shine to him and they had him wrapped in a little blanket and they put him beside the radiator and he slept there. And they gave him another bottle and then they brought him down to me at about six or seven um, for, the, for the day then. So, yeah. they, you know, they were just amazing. They looked after us so, so well. Um, 
and they looked after Cyril as well because we could, Cyril couldn't get out of the hospital because we had no car and nobody could get into us because of the snow. So he had no car. He was actually in the hospital for until Saturday. But they had the physio room, you know, um, the big blue mats. They had the physio room set up for any dads who were there and they gave them pillows and blankets. So the dads, he said it was like a sleepover, you know, there were about six dads and they were comparing stories. And um, so that Cyril slept there for Thursday night and Friday night. And they had the staff canteen open for the dads and go in and get whatever you need to eat. And every time they brought me food, they brought cereal food. So they just looked after us so well. And I know that's kind of, you know, a, a very abnormal situation because of the snow, but like they really went above and beyond. And the staff were actually sleeping on the third floor at the hospital because they couldn't get in and out of work because of the snow. Yeah. They were just, yeah, we just had the, the best care. We actually wrote to the coom afterwards to say, Did you? yeah it was just amazing they were so good so good and considering i suppose what cyril had been through it might have been nice that he maybe didn't go home to the house on his own you know he had someone else to talk to maybe in that room to say this is what happened and then you know compare stories but support each other as well exactly yeah and yeah it was i think it was good for him like if he'd gone home to his on his own he would have a time to think about it he would have a time to you know, and then on Saturday, he was thinking, how am I going to get home? And how am I going to, you know, the, the physicalities of getting the car back up. And so his, his head was kind of going a lot then with different things. So he didn't really have as much time then to think about it yet, which was good. Um, you know, as I said, the coom offered us counselling. And I said to him so many times, look, if you want to go and chat to somebody. But I think, I think because of the outcome as well, you know, yeah. He has said he's fine. We've obviously talked about it. The coon talked to us about it when we were there. So he has said he's fine and he didn't need to talk to anybody, but maybe because he, he had a little bit of support there on those first nights that yeah. were with the other dads. So, yeah. And how did you feel in those few days then in hospital? You must have felt, apart from being exhausted, how did you feel emotionally as well? I was fine. I was actually fine. Um, on the first day, the two girls, the two ladies either side of me were actually just so lovely. So we kind of got chatting and we were talking to them. And, you know, a bit of kind of one lady was on her second baby. So she was giving me loads of tips and bits and everything. But on one of the first days I was giving Ushin his bottle and um, Ushin in mythology was a warrior. And I said, you know, you're my little warrior. And I burst into tears and I just thought, God, the poor girls next to me think I'm a basket case but that was actually the only moment I had where it kind of hit me where everything had happened and yeah. you know that things could have been very different but I think because he was fine and he was thriving and you know yeah I was actually fine after I had that little outburst I was fine then I was fine and um, it's been more since that we've talked about it. like even before chatting to you we, we were talking about it and we both kind of stopped and went, oh, wow, you know, so maybe it's kind of only not hitting us now, but you know the way you kind of just go through it, don't you? And then you've a new baby to look after. So we kind of just went yeah. through it. Um, but yeah, we were fine. We were fine. Uh, yeah, no, I, think you're, I think you're right. I think it's maybe some, maybe years down the line when you realise you know the potential of what could have happened yeah you know as i was talking to cyril there the other night about it and we both kind of said gosh that could have been very different you know um but look it wasn't and he's fine and so you went home then after a week and how did you settle home then 
Oh, we settled in straight away. Um, it was lovely to be home. I, I hadn't minded going publicly in the coom because I did think, you know, I'll be in and out, like it'll be grand. But yeah. a week now I was kind of looking forward to coming home, my own bed, my own shower, my own couch. So it was lovely to come home. And yeah, it was just, it was lovely to bring him home with us as well. My brother and his girlfriend had the house decorated with balloons oh, and lovely. our favourite yeah. balloons and banners on the door. And yes, yeah, so it was an, a lovely welcome home. And then, so we came home and that afternoon, Cyril sent a text on our family WhatsApp group to say, look, lads, do you want to call Dan? Now they had come into us in the coom, so they had all seen him. But he sent a, a text and said, look, do you want to come down? We're home, come and have a cup of tea and whatever. But he sent it on the wrong WhatsApp group and he forgot to include my parents. So oh. they didn't. <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> went down well. <laughs> yeah, so they didn't come down till the next day. But, you know, no, it was fine. We settled in grand, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah settled in fine just lovely bringing him home you um, seem you seem um it seems like you were very relaxed throughout the the whole thing like with the snow and everything I would I would have been have driven myself mad thinking about it but you seem really relaxed I was fine yeah um like do you mean through the pregnancy or through the the birth through the the birth like even when your waters broke yeah it's funny because um I didn't have a birth plan because yeah. I don't know I think I was just very naive about everything I think I was like yeah. well whatever the doctors tell me to do I'll do I just yeah. do know I, I want an epidural so but if I can't have one for whatever reason you know we'll go with that too and I think I was very whatever they say we'll do and I think as well because our team were so amazing I just trusted them yeah. you know there was nobody there that we kind of went no you're not listening to me or you know they were very they were just so personable. They were so nice. And like when the first midwife, her shift finished because we were there so long, uh, the student midwife and this other gorgeous midwife came in. And again, you know, there was just this, we're here for you. We're here to help. And I don't know, maybe it was because of the weather that the coon was so quiet that we got the attention, you know, if the yeah. coon had been busier, maybe. Um, yeah, I think I was just very this baby has to come out that makes know? a world of difference so that you had that support because I've spoken to other women and it hasn't been the case and it's been completely different yeah I'm even just talking to some of my friends and listening to your podcast you think god that's totally different from my experience yeah. you know? and I'm sure people listening to me will say no we didn't have that experience at all I think that's why I was so calm um, and yeah. no I wasn't calm when he had to be resuscitated but yeah they all rushed in and they all had their jobs there was nobody there was no faffing around everybody knew what they were doing and yeah I think it was just the care we received and all throughout our pregnancy like the OBGYN is just so long we didn't have a bad experience with our appointments we had one appointment where we were there was a delay but charts had got mixed up and that happened right. you know we were all fine so we never had a bad we never had anybody rude we never had anybody yeah yeah, I don't and know. That really all adds to like I think your mood postnatally as well. If you have a bad experience, it sticks with you and then it just affects yeah. you. It snowballs. But the coom yeah. were very on with um postnatal depression. And they came and they kept talking to me about it, but they actually really kept talking to Cyril about it. Like they okay. did tell me what to look for, but they kept talking to Cyril about it because they said, You're the one gonna notice it quicker than she is. Yeah. So they were very, very on about it. Now thankfully I had nothing at all. I was absolutely fine. I was in yeah. my gorgeous newborn bubble and um, 
I really think yeah, a lot of it was to do, like you say, we had such a good experience that we kind of, like we're still talking about how good the coon were. You know, yeah. anytime somebody says, oh, we're having our baby in the coon, we got the coon's amazing. You know, mm. if we have a second, we might not have that amazing experience. The bar might be set too high. But yeah, yeah we had a great, a great team looking after us, you know. So. And did you have a public health nurse come out then? Because you were in the hospital for the week. So we did, just... yeah. So um, the day we arrived home and within a couple of hours, I had a phone call from the public health nurse to see. To, and she actually said, could I pop over to you now? So she was with us in about 20 minutes. And again, she was just the loveliest Brilliant. girl. I just, I didn't know what to expect. And maybe because I was a bit naive and I didn't know what to expect. I kind of just let people do their thing, you know, when yeah. I was like, I don't know what you have to do here. So you just tell me. Um, and she was just so lovely, really, really lovely. And we obviously then went to the clinic a few times with him then and everything. And yeah, so we've had great care, really, really good care. So Oshin uh, didn't need any additional checks then due to what happened? No, okay. No, now he did need other checks because I was born with congenital hip dislocation. So okay. both of my hips were totally dislocated. I was in a harness for six months. My mum has it as well. And my mum is worse than me. Uh, it's hereditary. It's hereditary in firstborns, but it's more prevalent in girls. Now we knew we were having a boy. We yeah. hadn't meant to find out, but on Twenty week scan. The sonographer had said to us, um, or the, the radio officer had said to us, um, "Are you finding out is the boy or girl?" We said, "No, we're going to wait." And he turned around, and the poor girl nearly died. Oh, no. and we kind of said, "Is that what we think we saw?" And she was like, "Um," and we said, "Are we having a boy?" And she said, "Yeah, I'm so sorry," but we, we didn't mind. We actually didn't tell anybody at all. Um, we never mentioned. That we were having a boy and we had his name picked out and everything so we i don't know how we kept it in but um so he we knew we were having a boy so his chances of having the hip dislocation were lower but in fairness from the minute i explained that this was what i had it was referred on all my charts it was mentioned at every single appointment um you know as soon as he's born we will do a scan on him so the doctor in the the, the days we were in the hospital the doctors came around to check his hips Right. They checked a couple of times. They found that they were fine. Um, at six weeks, he had an x-ray. At six months, and at a year, he had an x-ray. Um, so they were very on on that. And then they said, look, there's absolutely nothing there. So they discharged us. But because it's hereditary, they were very, very on on that. Um, because uh, when I, like, I'm, as I said to Cora, we're fine about what happened. I think because we had a very positive outcome. But yeah. when I was telling you all about it, the, the part where Oshin, my, my leg literally started shaking. I was yeah. like, oh my God, my legs are shaking here. Um, like I would always say, oh yeah, like, I know, like I don't want to be dramatic about it now. But when you hear it back, you go, oh, yeah, there was a good bit that happened there, you know. I got goosebumps when you were that. talking about it. You what? I got goosebumps when you said that Cyril went out onto the ward and saw everyone coming towards him. Like that's, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. When he said that again yesterday, when he told me that, I just was like, imagine seeing all those medical staff running yeah. and knowing they're coming to your baby. Yeah. You know, he said 20 years ago, I would have lost you both because yeah. I hemorrhaged so much and Oshin may not have been able to be resuscitated 20 years ago, you know, so um, could have been very different, but yeah. look, it wasn't and everything's fine. But he said he went out to ring the parents you know an hour later or whatever he went out to ring the parents to tell them that their grandson had been born and he said he did sit on the stairs for a few minutes on his own and he was just like 
Oof. Mm. So, and you know, again, there's the different experiences. Like my experience yeah. was, and, but he saw it all. Like I wasn't aware of anything that was happening with me. Yeah. I just know there was a doctor standing right beside me administering something into my IV line. And I was like, could you get out of the way, please? My son's over there, you know? Yeah. Um, but he, he was standing in the middle. Of and your all. focus would have been solely Oshin, whereas yeah. signals yeah. would have been both of you. Yeah, yeah. And he did say, he was like, you know, I can't lose Jill. I can't lose my new baby either. You know, and he was yeah. like, I don't know what to do, but look, everything's fine. It yeah. was a very, very positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. We had kind of, with the snow, we had thought, well, our neighbor's a paramedic. So if we can't get to the hospital, he yeah. could deliver the baby. And then we'll sell our house and move away and never see them again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He could have delivered the baby, but he couldn't have dealt with what happened afterwards. So if we hadn't got to the hospital, yeah, we'd have been in a very much situation. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you want to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can send me an email at nice to meet you IRL at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram under Ireland's Birth Stories. I'm going to bring you guys a bonus episode this week. I have so many stories to share. Um, so I really want to start getting them more out there. I'm going to share you a story with someone that I'm so fond of and she is so passionate about um, childbirth and supporting the mother through her pregnancy as well as a lactation consultant. So I'm looking forward to bringing you that one. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.